from Cleveland, Ohio, this is the Cleveland Stage Podcast, brought to you by Fog Properties. Flexible spaces, all the right places. Visit FOGG.com for information. And now, your host, Tyler Whitten and Ian Wolfgang Hins. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cleveland Stage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Whitten, along with my co-host, Ian Hens. And we're here today discussing a little bit of fun as we, as March Madness hits the world we decided to maybe participate in our own unique way here at Ensemble Theater. Uh, well, essentially what happened was we got in an argument after uh, a few bottles of wine, and we were talking about college basketball and how I know nothing about college basketball, but yet I still end up filling out several brackets <laughs> a year, just going on... I don't know. It's fun to fill in brackets. That's what it boils down to. It really was actually. I mean, I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> it's like a really, it. it's like a really large flow chart, shows, even though you don't yeah. know what it is. But half the time, I think that's what flow charts are anyway. It's like the slowest flow chart ever. <laughs> it this takes literally goes, a month. <laughs> this goes here. So uh, we decided to do an American plays bracket, and uh, we put it up on the Twitter sphere uh, at Ensemble Theater which is Ensemble C-L-E. Uh, and we decided, let's see if we can't maybe get people to vote on this on American Place. Here's where we had to, we had to like draw lines, though, right? Because we got an argument over, do we include musicals? Yeah, that was a big argument, yeah. Or do we not include... And it was like, well, maybe we can just include some musicals. And then what qualifies as a musical? Yeah. Because there are some plays where uh, uh, we were like, well, it's a play with music, but... Eh, we just decided. <laughs> no, nothing even close, remotely yeah. close to a musical. So sorry, place. wicked fans. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there maybe there'll be another time for that. I think we could certainly do a musical. One. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great musicals. That was part of the problem. Like you got to, we we narrowed narrowed it down to 64. So you know, it's only fair to do 64 plays, and then maybe maybe next year we'll do 64 musicals. I don't yeah. know. We'll see how it goes. And the other thing we did was uh, we tried to come up with as many 64 as we could off the top of our heads. Mm-hmm. So, look, we may have missed a few. We may have added some because we didn't know. I mean, we were, like, rattling off plays, and I was like, all right, hold on a second. And I counted, and we were up to, like, 56 without even trying. Yep. Uh, yep. So then we, you know, added, look, admittedly, some of these are outliers, yeah, they're always going to be the controversy, you know, this place should have gotten in, that place right. should have gotten in, you know, we can have a whole podcast on the plays that didn't get in that probably should have. The in bubble. Fact, we are the, right now. The bubble plays. The bubble plays. Oh, well, that's a good you one. You know, I the like bubble that. plays. Yeah, we'll, we'll produce a book. We'll Ooh. sell it. We'll self-publish it. Not pay anybody royalties? Called bubble plays. <laughs> the plays that didn't make the it cycle. in. The, the bubble plays cycle. Ian Tyler's uh, 64 American plays draft. And then uh, I think you also had some other guidelines that you wanted to enter in, which was no David Mamet. Yeah, no David Mamet because he did f- put one David Mamet in there. You did, but he's a fascist. He <laughs> loses in the first round. And my argument was he wasn't a fascist when he wrote most of these plays. I mean, but as you know, as a playwright, characters don't change, Tyler. They've always been what they are. They're just revealed to be that later, and he has just been revealed to be a That's fascist. That's a fair argument. That he's is always a fair been a argument. fascist. You know? But that's okay. I mean, I, I do like sexual perversity in Chicago. I directed you in it, as a matter of fact. I was in it. So uh, and then I took that character and moved him <laughs> over to Iceman Cometh. <laughs> which, which so did David Mamet steal the character from Iceman Cometh? There Maybe. is, there's a PhD dissertation in there somewhere. <laughs> I think the performances of Tyler Whitten in the Iceman Cometh versus sexual perversity in Chicago. 
which came first? <laughs> oh, uh, well, I have to be dropped for that conversation. Yeah, so so you got one in there. So but yes. that was one of the things I didn't yeah. I didn't like. And we talked about Hamilton because Hamilton is a new kind of a musical. But we since it's a musical, we excluded that. Right. I, and plus, we kind of already knew if you were voting, it probably would win, and that's boring. So it's <laughs> <laughs> a great play. <laughs> and then the other thing was, how do we seed these plays? Yeah. And I just came up with something, just as I was saying that phrase just now, that would have been a really brilliant idea. Yeah. But what we decided was, we're just going to pull, there was a, I found a random seed generator. It's like one of those make your own tournament bracket nice. sites. Nice. It was like, just put all your names here and we'll just randomly seed them. So that's what I did. Nice. Now going back, what would have been cool was to seed them by... The date that they premiered, mm. either on Broadway or just in general, and how long? And then they you ran. could have done like the number one seed would have been the earliest play mm. versus the newest play. Mm. That would have been interesting. Or you could have done it by how long they ran, or how long they ran. Oh, That's a lot of research. I don't, have of... Kind of, <laughs> I don't have that kind of time in my That's life. Fair. We need an intern. I mean, we just if came you're interested this, in yeah. being a Clue State we were podcast too drunk for intern. That whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Please contact us. You have a big project next March. <laughs> You might want to get started in, like, end of January. All right, so uh, let's go over this. So we release the first bracket. Again, you can go to uh, Ensemble Clee, or you can also go to uh, our Cleveland Stage Podcast Twitter handle, um, and you can vote there. And we just put each pair on there. You can vote for which play. Now, because the seating was done randomly, there was one coincidence that I thought was incredible. Mm-hmm. And then there was like, you know, the thing where you have two, I think we have two uh, Tennessee Williams plays going against each other. Wow. Which, okay. I mean, there's he's probably got like six or seven plays in here, so that's probably going to happen. Um, so let's go through. So our first matchup was uh, the marriage of Betty Bet. Bet and Boo. Nice. And Boo, nice. Uh, versus Long Day's Journey into Night. Which, so you know, like what Tony Cushion would say is maybe the greatest play written in the English language sure. in the modern era of Long Day's Journey against The Marriage of Bet and Boo. <laughs> it's a 1 versus 16. Which it really seems like maybe this was a 1 in 16. Nothing against Mr. Sure. Durang. However, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough one. There aren't very many plays we could say "Long Day's Journey." I'm gonna vote as myself as we go through this. Okay. So I'm putting my vote now. Again, I like "Marriage of Bet and Boo," but uh, which is a personal. They're actually both personal plays, right? Yeah, they're both semi-autobiographical. Look, these are all great plays. That's why they're American classic plays. That's true. But you know, you gotta have winners and losers in theater. And that's mm-hmm. what we've been told since the beginning. And one of these days, I will be a winner. There, yeah, there's no, there's no second place in theater. Either you win or you lose. And <laughs> there are and, no participation trophies yeah, here, you, know, you guys. You know, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> Man, I, I was even kind of laughing when I typed that up. <laughs> like, okay, I guess we'll do this pairing. Maybe we shouldn't have randomized the seating. Although that fits. Okay, so the next we have. Uh, David Lindsay of Bear's Rabbit Hole, one of my all-time favorite plays, and Anna Devere Smith's uh, Twilight, Los Angeles, 1992. Yeah, wow. That's which, tough. Uh, you know... You it's can, about the Rodney King riots, right? Yes. Yeah. And she does it. It's a solo performance where yeah. she plays multiple characters. You can also find uh, a really great 
not great production of it, but you know, from the time that it was made on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and I actually teach this play in one of my classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think it's more. See, so some of these plays that we came up with, uh, you know, we brought up the point like, is this really a good play or is it an important writer? Right. Yeah. I think we'll find. And that's an important topic, too, which is hard about it. But let's be also be clear about Rabbit Hole. It's not the movie. Mm. Right? So it's yeah, not the movie. Which is like a super depressing movie. Yeah, completely different play, you know, from, from the movie. So yeah. just and maybe I'm weird, but I thought Rabbit Hole, I think that there were some really funny moments in Rabbit Hole. I mean, you know, it's it's a way to, to cut the ice and something yeah. that's a really sad topic. In yeah. Ways, I think, but. All right, so I'm going to put my vote down for that. Like rabbit hole, I would I go mean, with rabbit hole yeah, on that one. I mean, it's tough. Twilight. I mean, that's a great topic. It's something that you don't really see a lot of plays written about. Yeah, and certainly that was a play ahead of its time. Yes, because now while those kind of social commentary plays are very popular, when she came up with that, it was that she was really a a a, a, a trailblazer in yeah. that kind of a, a presentation. Especially. Yeah, and now you have you know Dial uh, Orlando Smith is somebody who I always think of when I think mm-hmm. about influenced by. Miss, I mean, although they're probably contemporary, so maybe not. Uh, but also, uh, Anna Devere Smith's uh, book, Letters to an Artist, or Letters to a Young Writer, I forget the name of the title. But it's actually a great book that I have in mind. Mm-hmm. All right, so next we have... Uh, okay, now, this is an example of a play that when we came up with it, we were, had an argument over whether or not we include it because of the controversy around the author, and that is The Little Foxes by Lillian Hellman mm-hmm. versus... Uh, a view from a bridge. Is it a view from the bridge? A or view a view f- from a bridge? A view from the bridge. Good. Uh, Arthur Miller's play, of course. Done three times in ensemble. Really? Yeah, that's been a. That was a favorite, you know. With, Back in of, the day. Of Lucia, I think Lucia directed it two or three times. It's a good play. We've done it three times. For wow. Sure. Yeah. So we're not doing that again, probably for a while. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, it's one of his. It's one of his best, and it translates really well into. Um, the audiences that we have here, for some reason, they really like it. So sure, great actors. A lot. There's an Italian theme running through it, and I think that's part of it. Oh, with Lucia, found that was part of her cultural heritage. I think that's why she really gravitated to that play. Interesting. You know. So great. Yeah. All right. So we'll vote for uh, either Little Foxes or View from the Bridge. Mm-hmm. And then we have Margaret Edson's Wit <laughs> versus Neil Simon's <laughs> Brighton Beach Memoirs. That's great. I mean, you got to have Neil Simon in here. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know... And I don't know, it was a toss-up between... I think we even had the odd couple in the original <laughs> there 64. Was, there was the odd couple. And then we couple. made it a, bu- a bubble play? Oh, they were a bubble play, yeah. They're, 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 next year we'll have the play-in, and that'll be in it. <laughs> we'll have the four, the, play the first in. four, or whatever they call yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. But I think we're both going wit here. Right? Yeah, you gotta go wit on that one. I mean, as funny as Brighton Beach Memoirs is, it's... Yeah. What's a better play? And as much as we loved... Uh, Dancing with Ned, which I'm surprised did not make this. That would have been a good seating. I mean, it's, it's kind of it, you can dying of cancer. I mean, Wit is basically the the poor man's Dancing with Ned. <laughs> 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 All right, and speaking of Dancing with Ned, we get to uh, Tracy Letts, and this is where the seating, the random seating, was like, whoa! Only two play titles include a colon in the title. <laughs> Kismet, <laughs> and here Fate? we go. Tracy Letts' August Osage County versus some jerk's <laughs> occupation dad. That's my play. I don't know why I put that in there. I know why I put it in there. Well, we did it. Goof. Well, part of the criteria was also some of the plays that we'd done at Ensemble, and, and that sure. included some of the new plays. 
and so we we put it in there. But uh, you know, I don't I don't know. We'll see what the public says. It was honestly between Occupation Dad and Odd Couple. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, I I don't. It's a tough call, but I'm gonna go with August Osage. County. Are you really? Tyler, I'm sorry. I well, know. then you're gonna have to get on Twitter and do it because I'm voting <laughs> OD, baby. <laughs> All right, so this is, wow, this is two seedings in a row. So this is another, uh, wow, yeah, I don't know what to do here. But this was Tennessee Williams versus Tennessee Williams. Uh, Glass Menagerie versus Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yep. yep, yep. Two very great plays. Yep. Uh, who, they probably could have been seeded top ten, mm-hmm. both of them for sure. Uh, you know, everyone, the recent production of Glass Menagerie that happened on Broadway a couple years ago was got spectacular reviews. Mm-hmm. It made me want to read the play again. Mm-hmm. I still don't just don't get it. It's all about the hands, apparently, and the little figurine. That's what Bob Winters told me in oh. acting class when we were in college. Um, I feel like it's a play I had to keep going to just to figure it out. Like if if ensemble was ever like, hey. We're going to do Glass Menagerie. We want Tyler to direct it. I'd be like, no. I can't possibly direct this play. <laughs> I have to know what it's about. Yeah, and I don't get it. I understand that everyone loves it, but I'm going on a hot tin roof. Yeah, and Maggie the Cat is probably one of his better characters, I think. Sure. That he's, that he's written. And the story with Brick and the whole repression is different. You know, it's just a different thing than the Glass Menagerie, which can be a little creepy at times, I find. You know, the, the whole gentleman caller aspect yeah. is it's a little dated. Concept well, in yeah. our time, but I mean, so is I guess you know the Brick Maggie relationships a little dangerous. I mean, Tennessee well. Williams, I think, is his cycle's coming back. From uh, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, uh, the story that Molly told that we, our friend Molly McFadden, who writes a blog on the Ensemble website, you can visit that from Molly's desk, and she just had a reading of her new play, Fishfield Pain, as part of the annual Columbia New Place Festival. Yep. Uh, she was an understudy in a production of Cat in a Hot Tin Roof in uh-huh. New York City a long time ago. Wow. And there was a line in there. Uh, she had got called to go on stage, <laughs> uh, like last minute. And everything was going great. And there was a line in the play. I'm, I don't remember the exact line. Something like, it's a little bit chilly for dogs or something. <laughs> and she said, uh, it's a little bit for chili dogs and didn't even know what she said and went into her dressing room after the act break and she's i guess everybody in the audience laughed really hard and some of the cast members had to come up to her and say did you know what you said out there and she said no what do you mean and then of course she was mortified so anyway and she quit acting she quit acting into a a jazz singer nothing but drugs and regret after that <laughs> okay next up we have uh paul zendel's the effect of gamma rays on the blah blah on the marigolds in springtime the, the man in the moon, man in the moon marigolds marigolds uh and clifford odette's waiting for left lefty another play i was in yeah directed by you ensemble play yeah i gotta go i mean i love paul zendel but i gotta go with the waiting for lefty on that one it's uh you know it, it is the go-to agitprop play of the American canon. Sure. It's, and it was ever more uh, relevant a couple of years ago while we were doing the uh, teacher strikes and whatever. Yeah, and you got teacher strikes again in West Virginia. It just seems yeah. like something that just keeps keeps coming back up. So All right, so we'll go lefty on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're to... Oh, well, here we go. This is where it gets interesting, as they say in sports. Uh, Eugene O'Neill's Beyond the Horizon and Tony Kushner's Angels in America Part 1, which we have both done here recently. We did Beyond the Horizon three years ago. 
Yeah, and we sure. just closed Angels Part One in January, yeah. waiting for Angels Part Two to open. The Revenge, the, re- the Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Where do you go here? I think got to go Angels One. I mean, I like Beyond the Horizon, but it's an early O'Neill, and yeah. it's it it really it shows a lot of his uh, his coming out of the melodrama and in into the more of the American realistic tradition, but uh, still pretty melodramatic. Yeah. Um, is Beyond the Horizon, do you think that's a bubble play? No, I think it's in the canon because I think it's really... That and Anna Christie were really some of the first plays that... that you know, O'Neill, they say he created the modern American theater, and really he did, and, and that was one of the first plays that he did it with. Yeah. I mean, he had the C plays, which were kind of like the training wheel plays for him, these one acts oh, sure. that they did. And then, then Beyond the Horizon was really his first critical success on Broadway, and it really launched what we know as modern... American theater, and I think Angels in America too, on a certain level, has also did that. I think it kind of set the stage for a lot of uh, plays that came after it as well, and yeah. really kind of reinvented what you know theater can be on stage. It took that cinematic component that had been uh, kind of filtering into theater, and it, and it was and it was able to finally put it all in one show that was well written and used the cinematic techniques to tell the story so sure. i think it's i think they're very similar structurally in the in, in just different periods of time but i think angels is the better play clearly i think o'neill's plays as he gets older you know really i think you look at the last three you look at um long day's journey you look at iceman cometh and you look at moon for the misbegotten i think those are really his strongest plays whereas i i, I think angels yeah, I one think- is is stronger than for example Angels Two, not that Angels Two is not a good play. It's right. just it's just a different, you know, it's a different kind of. It's play. a whole different ball game, as you yeah. say. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm in, I'm gonna agree with you on that, and I'm I'm voting Angels here, uh, also because of the uh, you know the social consciousness of it. Yeah, uh, you know, it really came at an important time in America, especially for the LGBTQ community. Yep. and the AIDS community as well. All right, uh, moving on to August Wilson and new brackets. New bracket. This is the we're the, on the other side. We're now. on the we're, we're on, on the, the west. The west region. The west. Region. <laughs> Man, we could have done that. Maybe yeah, that's how we could have seeded it. Was wherever they born. Well, and then all Tennessee Williams all the time. Yeah, been in the true. south. Yeah. All right, so we have August Wilson's Radio Golf versus Sarah Rules the Clean House. Look, man, on the surface, I think this is tighter than you think. I know you're going to go no. radio golf. Yeah, come on. I like the clean house. Radio golf's August Wilson won August Wilson's best plays. It was, it was, it was, it was prescient. It, it dealt with something that nobody was talking about at the time. It, it talked about um, what was going on in, in the African-American community and the gentrification that was going on. Uh, in a time in the 90s when apparently Bill Clinton was the first black president, yet all this gentrification was happening and black people were being disenfranchised and driven out of their community. So, you know, um, Clint House is fine. Sarah Rule's fine. I'm not a huge Sarah Rule fan. So, you know, that's where I'm coming from on that one. You're going radio golf. I'm going radio golf. I'm, I'm going to toss up here, man. I agree with you on the importance of radio golf. I also know that... I'm going August Wilson on other plays. I'm going the clean house. Oh, you're crazy. I am crazy. That's insane. She, she doesn't name one good play she's written. The clean house. No. I like the clean house. Oh, you like all these new plays that suck. I d- <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't care for the vibrator play. Okay, fair enough. Although they, uh, David, our friend David Vay directed a really nice production of it. All right, moving on. All right, so Clifford Odette's... Got two plays here. 
you were adamant that Awakened Sing should be in. I didn't have uh, one way or the other. And then we have Susan Laurie Park's Father Com- Comes Home from the Wars, parts one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a toss-up for me. I could go either way on those. I mean, I think I think Father Comes Home from the Wars is a great play. I think that uh, Awakened Sing is a great play. I think, you know, they're different in that... It's interesting that they were randomly paired because Awakened Sing really talks, speaks to, you know, um, a Jewish idiom and... Uh, the family structure mm. in, in New York and Father Comes Home from the Wars speaks to an African American yeah. idiom. So I think it's it's a real these are very cultural plays. Maybe this random generator thing knew what it was doing. <laughs> that's it's it's the it's the end beginning of the end. The colon thing really freaked me out. <laughs> I mean, I it's AI, you know. We're we're being this is the beginning of Terminator. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I probably go Father Comes Home for the Wars. I am too. I love that play. I love Susan Laurie Parks. I think she gets it. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I'm going there as well. All right. So now we have uh, David Mamet, your friend, Ugh. versus Tina Howe's Painting Churches. This is Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Which uh, I don't know. Are there other Mamet plays? Sexual perversity. I mean, I know his, he has. He, I know he has other plays. I wouldn't put sexual perversity in the canon of great American plays. Oh, I think it's a great play. I think it's awesome. I love that play. I can't tell if you're joking or not. <laughs> I'm serious, I love okay, that play. Right. I think it's a great play. The movie with Rob, than... the movie with Rob Lowe, not yeah. so much. But you know, Wasn't Demi there one Moore, with Kevin Hart too, right? The Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, and, yeah, and uh, uh, what's his name? The Jim big, Belushi. Jim Belushi, and I it's think a, uh, it's a great Chicago. It's a great Chicago movie. Cusack, Joan Cusack. I yeah, think it's the a great Chicago woman. movie. But I don't, I don't know if I would. Uh, Rob Lowe is not my, you know, not that great. Do you think sexual? Uh, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, Glenn, Gary, I, I can't vote for David Mamet. I just can't. I can't okay. do it. So I got to go painting churches. But I, I do. Like I do like. I mean, Glenn Gary is a good. It's a good play. It's just David Mamet's a fascist, and I can't <laughs> vote for fascist. I won't do it ever. So to be fair, you could make the argument that Glenn Gary, Glenn Gary is uh, maybe anti-fascism. The best part of Glenn Gary is the monologue in the movie. <laughs> It's not even I do in the wonder play. if people go see the play now and are <laughs> like, like, they missed the whole scene. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best part. That's why I came here. Yeah. All right. Well, that's got uh, we're fifty fifty on that one so far in the in the poll. Nice. Wonder who voted for Glenn Gary. All right. So uh, next up we have uh, Nilo Cruz's Anna in the Tropics versus August Wilson's uh, The Piano Lesson. Mm-hmm. To, and uh, of the Tropics, which we've done an ensemble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Piano Lesson is probably my favorite August Wilson play. Yeah, it's a good one. It's the Great Migration yeah. era, right? Like, it's a really good play. Uh, Another play I teach mm-hmm. in my playwriting classes. Yeah, a lot of magical realism in that one, which yeah. isn't in all of his plays. There's yeah. a little thread in a lot uh, of them. Uh, Ma Rainey, I think, has it. Right? Well, there's a little bit even in Radio Golf, right? I mean, there's a little bit of, of magical realism that runs yeah. through them, but... That one's really present. That one's like, like the whole plot pre- line. Yeah, yeah, super present. It's the whole ending. So I'm going uh, Piano Lesson for myself. Yeah, I would go Piano I like Anna in the Tropics. Uh, I like Neil Cruz. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's a, you know, Anna in the Tropics is a great play because it deals with Cuba. It deals with... Um, Culture? Cult. Well, it, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, for those of you that don't know, it's about uh, a lector who reads Anna Karenina to workers in a cigar factory. 
in Cuba before the revolution. And so it's... Are they in Cuba or are they in Florida? Um, are they in Florida now? I think they're in Florida. Uh, they're, they're Cubans. Yeah, they're Cubans. I should say, in Florida now. So maybe it's after the revolution. But either way, it's about, it deals with, uh, it deals with uh, class. It deals with, you know, Anna Karenina, great, great literature. It's a good play, but it's not as good as the play, piano lesson. So, I mean, what is really? There's, there's some, but I, I really like the piano lesson. It's one, it's one of my favorite Arthur yeah. Wilson plays. Yeah, mine as well. All right, next up we have uh, Tally's Folly by Lanford Wilson. Uh, no, yeah, versus uh, Death of a Salesman. I mean, that's a no-brainer. That was the one seed for sure. I think. Yeah, I mean, we've done both here, right? So we did Tally's yeah. Folly, and um, and Lucia directed that one. It was a great production. Ron Newell's set for that was amazing, um, and the, and the actors and that were were tremendous. But I gotta, you know, you gotta go Death of a Salesman. I mean, it's Arthur Miller's greatest play. Yeah, easily. And you I think it's his greatest play. Oh yeah, I think yeah. Okay. I mean, I can't. I can't. I'm not argue. arguing with you. I'm just. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it kind of coalesces around all of his themes, right? It like brings all of his themes to bear, which you know he kind of messed around with in his well, not messed around, but he, he dealt with in a lot of his other plays. Like some of his play, earlier plays dealt with class and uh, unions and 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 what is the working man's plight, and then other plays that he dealt with were family things. Sure. You know. Um, and I think that bring. I think in Death of a Salesman, you get a, a mix of all of that. Yeah, that's I think a good that point. all all kind of coalesces and it's a it's it's an epic play in that sense. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a fair point. Uh, it's a great play. All right, and then we have uh, Sam Shepard's Buried Child versus uh, John Patrick Shanley's uh, Doubt. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I, I gotta I go. Think Barry, I'm going Barry Child. Yeah, I gotta go. Yeah. Barry Child there. I mean, I like John Patrick Shanley. I, but but Barry Child, I think is. Yeah, I think I'm going there as well. If uh, only because I appreciate the. Just, just, I could never write a play like that. Yeah, Barry Child is. Just a, I always think of Barry Child and I just feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I just how I just want to take about, a yeah. shower. I mean, that's most of his like, plays. Right? Yeah, it's like just grimy. It's just like oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was in uh, Fool for Love, and it was spelled the same way. <laughs> yeah. With Piper well, Parabo, no big well, deal, you guys. The whole incest thing is... Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little... That was a fun... He one. loves that. <laughs> he definitely... Okay. Yeah, it's true. That's really a running theme. He had a line that Charles Smith used to talk about. Uh, I think it was Sam Shepard. Something about every play has got to have, like... Sex, incest, drugs, and I don't remember the line. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Oof. All right. Uh, speaking of Charles Smith, we have uh, Charles Smith, our mentor and uh, one of the great American playwrights living today, if not the best uh, historical playwright. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Smith, uh, his play Gospel According to James. We had an argument over whether this should be the play that we of his that we put up. Mm-hmm. Not up. I mean, we've done most of his plays here on the stage, but I mean in the in the brackets, yeah. I thought maybe uh, "Knock Me a Kiss" or yeah. uh, "Free Man of Color." Yeah, "Free Man of Color" is a great play. So is "Knock Me a Kiss." I "Gospel According to James" and maybe it was the production or, or I don't know, but repeatedly audience members and uh, subscribers and people come and still talk about that show. Yeah, and that was the season we did "Gospel According to James" and "Iceman Cometh." Right. Um, 
so it was a, that was in uh, normal heart. So it was a really mm. that season was one of the the best, and, and people talk about that season a lot. But um, Gospel According to James was a, a play that really resonated with people, and for some reason has really stuck with people for a long, long, long time. Yeah. It's a great play, and I think it utilizes all the things that Charles is good at, mm-hmm. which is um, it's lyrical in a lot of ways that, that his writing can be lyrical. It uh, touches on uh, African-American historical events and makes them um, universal to today, I think, right? I mean, I think this is a play that's both literally on stage and that it has flashbacks, but also, you know, I, from my understanding and talking with Charles, his approach was always like, let's take these events and make them almost like they happen today. Yeah, and it's about that's the message. And it's about a lynching in Marion, Indiana, yeah. the famous Beatler photograph of, of these African-American men hanging from this tree and the town essentially lynched them and hung them. Um, and it's about memory and it's 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 just, there's a lot of levels to it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it deals with a, a topic that a lot of people don't realize I think it's come more to light now, but at the time it was written, I think it was something that said, "Hey, look, you know, the North isn't exactly off the hook, right? For how it's <laughs> yeah. how it's treated its African American, yeah. You know, he tells a really great story of uh, visiting Marion to research for the play and talking with people, and the citizens were like, "Why we're not that's not us anymore?" Yeah, he's like, "Well, <laughs> I mean, my mom has a picture of me on my on the mantle when I was like in fourth grade. That's not me anymore, but it's also still me." <laughs> Yeah, and Trump did win Indiana, right. so there you go. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm going to go with Mary Coyle Chases Harvey here. I'm going with Gospel. No, I think it's, I'm going I with think Gospel. It's a great play. I'm also going with Gospel. Um, yeah, I think it's a great play. And it's a great example of Charles's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Kira. I'm going to screw up her name. Ms. Hudes's uh, Water by the Spoonful mm-hmm. versus Moon for the Misbegotten. That's a that's a that's a that's a tough matchup. That, that is a tough. That's match-up. like a two verse fifteen right there. You think so? Yeah, Moon for the Misbegotten is one of the greatest plays O'Neill wrote. Oh, man. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. Water by the Spoonful is still a great play. It is a great play. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a tough, you know. Yeah. I feel like Water by the Spoonful is like one of these, you know, small small conferences, you know, because it's just not it, – she mm. doesn't have the weight of an O'Neill, right? And, sure. and this is at the end of his career, you know, that, and he brings a lot to bear on that. And just because of that, I think – you know, a lot of O'Neill's plays for me anyway. They they just re a lot of the contemporary plays, like Water by the Spoonful, are pleasurable reads. I enjoy them. I feel like they read similarly to how they're they act on stage. Hmm. Of course, you can contact us uh, uh, Cleveland Stage at Cleveland Stage on Twitter. You can tweet at us if you have any comments, questions, or considerations. Visit at Ensemble Clee to vote. You can also do it at Cleveland Stage uh, to vote for your favorite play. And also, are we cross-posted on Facebook as well? Can we they... are. There's a link. A link, yeah. So on Facebook that you can visit. Uh, we don't have – maybe I can put it on Facebook. No, I mean, if there's a link, they can get there that way yeah. as well. Get on the Twitter sphere, people. Come on. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. We have Mama Moon this weekend at Ensemble. Two more weekends, Mama Moon. A new play, part of our annual Columbia New Plays Festival. We also have readings on Wednesday the 21st here at Ensemble. We got a reading coming up at the Clee Urban Winery. It's, uh, it's in two, two and a half weeks on the 28th. On the 28th, and we've got, uh, we got to thank our sponsors. We do have to thank our sponsors, of course, Fog, the Fog.com 
uh, fog properties, uh, flexible spaces in all the right places. There are media sponsor, and of course, if you're in Michigan, especially in the western part of the state of Grand Rapids and Muskegon, visit Discount Home Improvement for all of your discount home improvement needs. It's your money. Why pay more? There you go. So there you have it, folks. This has been another edition of the Cleveland Stage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Whitten, along with my co-host, Ian Hens. And please, if you're listening to us on whatever platform you're listening to us, please rate and the show, promote the show, tell all your friends, and we'll see you next time on the Cleveland Stage Podcast. Sayonara. Oh, changing <laughs> it up.